Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast with me, Sophia DeSantis. I am so excited to be here today. This is episode 53, and today we are going to talk about food accessibility. Um, I will probably be talking about this multiple times because it's, um, I don't want to say recent because it sounds like I haven't cared about it before, but it's just a recent more interest um type topic for me lately as I dive into the online world more and food and the healthy food and health and wellness and just seeing and experiencing the diversity that we have um, really just has me thinking more about this. And when I mean food accessibility, I mean the difference between what we typically see online with these influencers, one of which I am, um, but a lot of the products that are being pushed and sold and companies that are coming out with things that have this promise of changing your life um, and your health. However, a lot of these things are not only, um, they give off an aura of, I guess you can say um, classism, and also they're very, very expensive and not accessible to many people. So first, I kind of want to start with a little bit of background in myself is that I, yes, I am blessed to be able to afford what I can afford. I have worked hard to be where I am. I, from a young child, the um, concept of hard work has been instilled in me. And so it's not like what I have has just been given to me. I have worked for it. My family has worked for it. But at the same time, I know how blessed I am. I know how many people work really hard and still don't have access to what I do. So I don't want to say that just because you work hard, you have access and you can be in a certain socioeconomic status because I don't believe that's true. I think that, um, yes, it does take hard work, but I also think there's many factors that goes into um, success and really what you define as success. And sometimes um, people um, always put success and money hand in hand and socioeconomic status and success hand in hand, but that's not necessarily true. You know, different people um, look at success differently. You know, success can just simply be having um, an amazing family and a tight family relationship, even if you're living in a really low socioeconomic area, like success is different for everybody. So I just want to preface it with that because I don't believe that just because you work hard, you're automatically going to get, you know, all this money and whatever it is. Um, but I want to take a step back and talk a little bit about my my history and my family. Um, I am first generation Greek. I am, an, and my parents were immigrants here to the United States. They both grew up in Greece. Um, my mom grew up in a village in the mountains of Evia Peninsula in Greece. And my mom grew up really, really poor. And by really poor, I mean the type of poor that she wasn't sure um, if food was going to be accessible to her, if she was going to have food all the time there, um, she has had, um, she's the last surviving member of her immediate family, but she had a sister and a brother. And so there's three children and two adults and her dad died in the war, you know, when she was young. Um, and basically the village life for women was you went to the village school, which was a multi-age, multi-grade one-room schoolhouse. 
And when a woman turned, I think it was like junior high, I guess you can call now 13, they were brought home and taught how to keep house. And then they were married off and arranged marriages at a very young age. And that's just the way it went. But that being said, my mom is extremely smart. And my grandmother saw that she knew that my mom, there was a gift that she had, there was a light in her that needed to be kept, the flame needed to be kept there. And she knew that she wasn't going to be the typical woman. Um, in fact, it's kind of a running joke that um, when you you couldn't go to school until you were five or six, I forget what age. And my grandmother um, actually lied about her age to get her to school early just because she was so smart. And so my mom doesn't really know 100% what year she was born because back in the village, they didn't have birth certificates. I mean, they gave birth like in their house. Um, so they didn't really have birth certificates, but my mom doesn't truly know 100% how old she is. <laughs> and so we kind of giggle at that because um, I just think it's like so crazy. Um, but my mom was actually one of the few women that went to high school. There was no high school in the village. So you had to take a bus to the local quote unquote city, which is Halkida, which is not really a big city, but it was to the villagers. Um, and she is the first woman to go to college. And that's a big deal because women just did not do that back then. In fact, her brother pretty much told her that um, if you go to college, so she went to Athens to go undergraduate degree, the University of Athens, and he told her, when you come back from college, I have a man waiting for you for marriage. And my mom was like, yeah, no. So what my mom did is she ended up going to America to her sister who had been married off in an arranged marriage. And they, her husband had moved her to America to start the American dream of owning restaurants, which is very typical with the Greek culture. Um, my mom went out there to live with her sister and to get a master's degree at Chico State. And she was a dishwasher. Um, variety of jobs to put herself through school because there was no money from, you know, her mom. She was a villager that, you know, barely survived. And um, so my mom came to America to live the American dream. And her brother said, you know, well, if you come back from America without a husband, you know, here is, I have a husband waiting for you, but you're going to be an old maid. So beggars, beggars can't be choosers. And this is who you're going to have. Well, in America, she actually, that's where she met my father. And he lived in a neighboring town, a neighboring city in the Bay Area. And their families is a big Greek community in both of those areas. And their families kind of knew each other. And um, long story short, um, they were married. Um, they actually first got married at some drive through chapel in Ta Tahoe or something like that. Because my dad, they joke that my mom married my dad to save him because his green card was expiring. It's a, it's a pretty amazing story, um, to really be honest with you. I love it. But the reason I tell you this is that my, my mom and dad, I mean, more, my dad too, like when they got married, they had nothing, but my dad grew up a little more privileged than my mom who grew up as a city boy in Athens. And so he had, you know, more money than my mom. My mom was like dirt, dirt poor. So my mom came from nothing. I mean, really absolutely nothing. And built her life from the ground up and worked hard and sacrificed and, and really truly understood the concept of education and, um, you know, just keeping at it for what you want. And she instilled those two things in me at a very, very young age as school was number one. That was my job is to do well in school and hard work is important. And so when I look at my life today, I don't 
I, I see myself as extremely privileged and extremely blessed, but I also see my history of, you know, there's more to it than just that. So when I'm talking about food accessibility, I look at the world I'm in business-wise online, and I see these fancy products that sometimes I buy and sometimes I don't. More often don't lately, to be honest, because um, while I do love certain things. I also don't feel that I can always afford all of them. You know, we still have a budget for the level of life that we are in. We've got three kids that we're trying to, you know, raise, educate, save money for, for college. Um, but I also ha have realized that it doesn't take fancy products to live a healthy life because we go through moments, especially, you know, through this COVID pandemic that my business has been affected um, financially and we've had to make some cuts budget-wise. And some of the things I've cut is these extra type products that although I like, I don't necessarily um, have money for. And I've, I've taken a step back a lot when I do our grocery shopping. And I think to myself, what are the basics? Like, what can I make this week to save a little money, cut a little bit, um, but still have wholesome, healthy food? And I'm here to tell you that it's possible. You don't need whole food to shop at Whole Foods. Um, you don't need to have necessarily access to all fresh fruits and veggies at your fingertips all the time. Um, but to really talk about this subject, I want to take a step back again and talk about something called social determinants of health. And social determinants of health is talking about considering many aspects when it comes to health and wellness, considering socioeconomic status, education level, a physical environment where somebody lives, their social networks, and their job, their work um, situation, their access to healthcare. There's so many different things, and the list goes on, that you need to think about when it comes to overall health and well-being. And I feel like in this online world, I look at it and we're missing so many. There's so many holes and gaps. And when we talk about health, which is of utmost importance, especially right now with you know, this whole COVID situation is I see so much out there in the media of everything and, you know, what you can't do, like what we need to do. And I don't see people, um, especially the government, especially, you know, those that have access and powers that be taking a step back and saying, how can we get our whole population to a state of better health and well-being? And part of that is thinking about these social determinants of health. So if we're talking about like economic accessibility, that's basics, you know, money, uh, socioeconomic status. How can you afford to eat healthy, right? Like to eat wholesome, nutritious food. And there are different, you know, I have um, linked in this, in the write up here, uh, a free opt-in that gives ideas for how to eat healthy on a budget. There's a ton of them. I'll go into them a little bit later, but, there's so many factors when it comes to that. So socioeconomic status obviously is one of them, but it's the income you bring in. And we can see, we, we know through this COVID pandemic that people have lost their jobs, their restaurants have been closed down, they've lost their livelihoods. And so income can fluctuate, you know, just because you bring in a certain income um, at one point doesn't mean you're going to bring it, especially we have our, um, our, our um, necessity, our, um, I can't even think about essential workers you know, essential workers, you know, this is some of them, like, you know, sometimes you have essential workers that go in and out of jobs, you know, things have to cut. And so people are let go, especially, 
through this last year where restaurants were having to make budget cuts. So we you know, need to think about that. Um, there's also expenses, debt that you have, medical bills that can come and go. And this is the vicious cycle about medical bills is that if we don't have, if we don't think about all of our populations when it comes to health and wellness, you're, it's a constant cycle of, of people getting ill and having medical bills to pay. And when you put your money into medical bills, where, how, how can you distribute the money into easy, uh, cheaper, accessible, wholesome, nutritious food in order to help your overall health and wellness? So it's this vicious cycle. Um, and then just other kind of supports by, you know, society, you know, government agencies, all that kind of stuff. But another piece, there's other pieces to this. And another one is physical environment. I think about how people can physically um, access places to get wholesome, nutritious food. The community that they live in, what, where are the grocery stores? Are they nearby? Because if you don't have a car, and those of us that have a car, it's, you know, first world problems, because people that don't have a car have to rely on either walking or public transportation. And if you're walking, is the store far, like close enough to walk to and be able to take grocery bags home? That's a big deal. Public transportation, is public transportation going to get you to that grocery store that has the wholesome, nutritious food? Um, we see a lot of access to fast foods, and I am not here to judge or bash anybody that eats fast food, and I actually think fast food can be convenient, and I think that um, I truly believe that part of our push for health and wellness really should be to look at these places where we have these fast food um, restaurants, and instead of saying, oh, we shouldn't be eating fast food, get rid of them, I'm saying, how can we get more wholesome inexpensive options into these fast foods. And I think many of them have some. I think we need to bring awareness to more of the truly nutritious um, options there. And I think we need to add more because that is what's accessible for a lot of people. And it's not fair to say, let's get rid of these fast food and put in this fancy, more expensive um, juice bar. Okay. So it, it's not necessarily feasible and we need to think about these things. Um, also, if you're looking around yourself and where you are, you know, um, the accessibility of what's near you, you have to take into account is the time people take to go to work and back. Like if you, if you're spending all this time commuting and you're an essential worker somewhere and you don't have a lot of time to make a wholesome meal at, at home, because yes, it's, it's cheapest to eat at home. Um, generally speaking, if you have access to those foods, but also, it's, you know, you want to get home and be with your family, perhaps. And uh, if a fast food place is on the way home, that's where you're going to stop because that's easy. So that's why I'm thinking, like, how can we use what we have and get more things that are better for us, nutritiously speaking, into what's available? Another thing to think about is education and health. So you only know what you know. But how are we going to teach the people that don't know? how to make better decisions for what's best for them. Because we talk about underlying conditions. You know, we talk about chronic um, health problems. We talk about heart disease. We talk about diabetes. Those are both major problems in our society today. And a lot of this can be prevented, can be slowed down by a proper diet and proper exercise. And in order to do those things, you need to know how. So how can we provide free education? Because if the problem is accessibility and economic accessibility being one of them, you can't charge for these things. 
Um, we need to get this cycle broken and we need to get free access to people in education and not just free, but available. So I don't mean available in the sense at having, you know, an informative meeting at some, I don't know, convention center or whatever, or uh, uh, like cafeteria or whatever it is in our certain populations, because we go back to that, you know, ability to get there if you don't have a car. So we have to, it, this, this web of, of things we need to work on, they're all interconnected. So if you don't have a car to get to this free resource, that's going to be a problem. I would say that in the last year, we've learned a lot about technology and being able to access things online. But again, we're going back to, does this person even have access to online? Does this person even have access to a computer to view it online? So I don't have the answers. I'm just bringing up um, a lot of topics and a lot of ideas and a lot of things we need to think about that I think a lot about. Um, I think about this because I know my mom's history. I know where she came from. My mom is incredible. She volunteer, uh, volunteered, not lately because of COVID, but um, before she volunteered at the homeless school in San Diego. She was a mentor to homeless um, girls, young girls. I remember being in junior high and high school and going and, and, and shopping for fam homeless families um, for Christmas and, and helping these families like get things. And, and my mom always gives. And it just, she's an amazing, incredible human. She's my hero. Um, we get emotional. <laughs> but I think about these things because it's not just as simple as giving the education to somebody because they have to have access to it. So the question lies, if I'm going to focus on food here, um, how do we have access to healthy food? Like how can we have, um, how can we make healthy meals nutritious meals with what we have access to, I guess I should say. So first of all, like we always push fresh fruits and veggies. Of course, it's great to have fresh fruits and veggies. And I'm not even going to go into the top of organic because yes, I am not somebody who poo-poo's organic because I know a lot of people, there are people out there that say organics is a myth. It's, it's not true, whatever. I do think organic produce is great. I do choose to eat organic a lot of the time because I like the taste of it. I like supporting local organic farmers. I do think there's something to be said about the pesticides. However, big fat, however, eating the, the produce itself, organic or not, is number one, okay? Organic is something that if you can afford it, great. If you can't, I don't think it's a big issue. And if I'm cutting, I sometimes do cut and don't get organic stuff. Like, I think we need to look at big picture here. But then we talk about the accessibility to even getting fresh fruits and veggies at all. And creating meals with fresh fruits and veggies is great. However, frozen can also be great. Canned can also be great. Um, we do have to think about cost when we're looking at these things. But frozen veggies, people don't always understand, is that they're actually frozen at their peak ripeness, which means they are filled with vitamins and minerals and nutrients, just like freshets. So it's a very great choice. I mean, canned veggies are also great too, but the only thing with canned you have to look at is are is there added sodium with canned fruit? Do they have syrup, so added sugars? And that's when we get into the problematic areas that are adding back to our chronic conditions. So it's something to look at. Um, I love frozen fruit. I actually do a lot of frozen fruit. So in both my warm and my, um, my smoothies and stuff like that. So again, frozen fruits, another, it's a great option. Um, we also need to think about some of our staples. 
we want to make sure we're getting our proteins, we're getting our fiber, really important parts of our diet. So staples, a great staples to have that are inexpensive and have a long shelf life are beans and grains. Um, dried beans are great. Canned beans are great too, but dried beans are even cheaper. You can buy them in bulk. You can batch cook them in bulk to have throughout the week to add to things. And they store for really long periods of time. Um, brine dried grains are awesome. I talk a lot about the frozen brown rice I get from Trader Joe's, but it is of course way cheaper to get dried brown rice and make it yourself. So they also last a really long time. So you need to determine what your focus is here. Are we and sometimes maybe we go back and forth between the dried and the canned and the frozen ready, depending on the cycle of life. Um, a few other ideas that I have, I have my uh, free opt-in linked into this episode, but a few other ideas I have um, that I can talk to you about off the top of my head is that finding, instead of finding meals and then writing a grocery list from that, going to the grocery store first and looking at what's on sale. Often grocery stores have sale items and starting from that and then finding recipes you can make from those can help cut your costs. Also buying in bulk, either online or in grocery stores. Um, the thing you want to look for is that looking sometimes at the price per unit versus the overall cost is important because sometimes buying in bulk is great, um, but we need to look at that price per unit. And it's often on, like when you look at the, uh, the price tag, they often have the price per unit on there as well. And the cheaper the price per unit, the cheaper the product. So if you're buying in bulk and you can get that price per unit down, you're saving yourself some money. Um, and really every penny counts when it talks to food accessibility. Um, another thing would be shopping seasonally. Seasonal produce is cheaper than produce that's not in season because when it's seasonal, a lot of the times it can be local or closer than stuff that is not seasonal that's shipped in from far away. So that's another great way to shop. Um, and then lastly, another idea is to go to uh, local produce stands or farmer's markets. They typically have seasonal produce that you can buy um, for cheaper depending on, you know, the farmer's market itself and the, and the stand itself. We have a great produce stand that I absolutely love. Um, and often the, the produce is great there. It tastes really good because it's from the local farmers. So that's kind of my little spiel that I have on um, food accessibility. I will definitely add some more episodes as time goes on, really getting into the, these like specific areas and topics. I think it's a really, really, really important um, uh, thing that we talk about. I think we need to keep the discussion open. I just, the more I'm in the food world, the more I believe that we need to start opening these discussions to make, to help bring in all people, all populations, all communities to the center of health and wellness because our health and wellness, you know, drives our life. Like we see the chronic conditions that are killing people left and right that are also becoming issues when we have like this pandemic, like really attacked so many populations with chronic conditions. And I really wish that we could focus more on how to make health and wellness accessible for all versus just what we're not supposed to be doing right now or whatever it is. Um, I won't get into that because I can get a little political, but um, I just really have a passion for making sure that we can simplify things sometimes. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for listening. This has been an awesome you know, episode for me. I really have a lot of passion about it and I look forward to bringing some guests on maybe to talk more about it in the future. And make sure you tune in next time um, to hear uh, a guest I'm having next episode all about intuitive eating. 
um, which is going to be another good one. I appreciate all of you. Um, if you don't forget to download that free opt-in I have on the um, linked in the uh, podcast uh, blog write-up, and also. If you guys love my podcast, I so appreciate a rate and review. It helps me so much. The more rates and reviews I get, the higher the rating I get, and the more guests would be are willing to come onto my podcast. And that is my way of getting information out to you guys. So I love and appreciate you all and would so love a rate and review. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.